0: Hello and welcome to the No Holes Bar Witchcraft Podcast. What are your thoughts, Chris, about when you walk into a museum and in a nice glass case there's a mummified corpse or bones or some kind of body that was housed nicely somewhere and is the nice little housing that has been dispatched in? a little tomb or whatever has been desecrated and robbed and thrown into a glass case with lots of led lighting because you have some kind of makes you feel a bit like you're not entirely sure how you feel about that am i right based on conversations we've had
1: yeah it's a tricky one because you know historian or whatever like it's kind of necessary um and you know i have quite strong feelings about keeping everything um that the british have pillaged over the the last 1000 years um so yeah so i'm kind of a mixed feels about it i have different feelings about bodies bodies i feel a little bit more strongly about but the the kind of tombs they i don't know they're kind of i'm trying to think how best to put it kind of feels like turning up to a halloween party and nobody's dressed up like does that make any sense
0: i don't think that like, really makes a lot of sense now so you go into in a museum and yeah is like oh i've dressed up for this party and no one else has
1: oh, out of place.
0: you feel out of place
1: yeah because it feels out of place
0: particularly if it's one i know right then let's assume that it's not one you know let's okay, assume it it's just the very dead, dead what is it? Where does that come from inside you? Is it a moral thing, an ethical thing? Is it, a uh, we're going against the wishes of this thing? Is it, a uh, well, this is cursed now? Where does it come from? What sense is it? Is it, do you feel sympathy? Do you feel anger? What is it that you actually feel when you walk into a space and you see this? Like that one we saw at the museum where they'd recreated the, um, oh whose tomb was it was it um probably one of the top i think it was um i don't know but they they basically recreated a tomb and they put a different mummy in it that had nothing to do with that tomb so they had gone through the rigmarole of trying to recreate a tomb and then they shoved a different mummy in it just because it needed a mummy in it obviously to be an egyptian exhibit (laughs) you know because we had well, that man. conversation at that at that museum, didn't we? I remember having it. And it was kind of like, well, I'm not sure how I feel. Because with that one, they'd displayed it in a glass case in the sarcophagus, but the sarcophagus lid was raised slightly. So it was a couple of inches gap that you could kind of peer into, whereas a lot of them are just out on display, aren't they? So Yeah. No, how does that make you feel? is there good ways of doing it and bad ways of doing it or is it just the whole thing you don't really like the re that with that one it was the reconstruction was particularly bad
1: um but right. the main reason that one pissed me off is because i should have been the one to design it and obviously situations quite changed quite literally yeah so that one's why that one particularly bothered me um but yeah i don't see the i don't like when they Mix and match, like it's fine if you're going to have a, a tomb on display complete, or mm. you know it's quite. Uh, if you go into the Assyrian section at the um, the British Museum, and you've got the big stone um, sphinxes, um, yeah, and that kind of fits in place, like it's at a doorway you feel like you're crossing a crossing a threshold. You know, it's actually kind of stayed true to the original, if that makes sense. And I don't mm. mind kind of reconstructions when they're all in position. Like, you know, I love the uh, Elgin marble room, the Parthenon structures at the BM. Like the room is actually built specifically for it. Um, so I can kind of get on board with those sorts of pieces. I think when it gets to personal tombs, that starts to get a little bit more sketchy. Um, mm. You know, it's one displays an entire temple, but you know, the um, somebody's remains is one of them things. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know
0: because I've walked into museums, right, and they've got normally it's like the Egyptian uh, part. That's really super popular, and they'll often have a couple of mummies, even if it's local museum, like they have them in the Bristol Museum. They've got mummies in there and that. And they've normally got like a little sign up, please do not take photographs because it's basically because it's rude. And I kind of think you've you've robbed this tomb, taken the corpse quite a few miles. and now you're dumping it in for people to be charged money. I mean, with Bristol, I mean, it's free, but some of them, that you know, they charge money. And you're saying that the rude part is if someone was to take pictures, which to me seems a bit kind of... uh, I mean, it would probably be rude to do those kind of corpse unwrappings, the mummy unwrappings, like the Victorians used to do. I can kind of understand that from the perspective of it just being one of those things that you do because a bunch of rich people find it amusing and interesting. I can understand when the scientists might take one and take it apart, which nowadays they kind of just x-ray things, but back in the day they wouldn't have been able to do that necessarily. Um, But in terms of the displaying of it, because I don't know. If you go to the witchcraft museum, because I went to the witchcraft museum the other day and there was a head, a tarred head, and that was on display. And that had a little plaque with it saying, oh, this is such and such person. Um, If you're nice to them and compliment them, they'll grant your wish type thing. And that to me kind of makes me feel like if that has a historic kind of, there's lots of stories of a screaming skull where there's lots of stories of something related to that and you're putting that in there and you're saying okay but if they were to have taken some dead person and made that up and just stuck that on a plaque there you know it's it's all very strange because what I struggle with is I struggle with whose side am I on am I on the side of the ancient cultures And I'm like, no, this needs to be the only person that is allowed in this tomb is the person that it belongs to. And I know nowadays one cannot prove (laughs) it was or was your tomb or a family member or whatever. So I understand that. But it's kind of like that they shouldn't be disturbed versus, well, is power at the end of the day? they haven't done a very good job of holding on to their empire to keep us people out so we might as well just open up whatever we want because we rule the roost now and it's our land that we've conquered so we do what we like. You know, I I, I struggle with those two kind of things um, because it's either if you're being respectful you wouldn't have fucking opened it up in the first place realistically, would you? I don't think.
1: So... I had this conversation at college a couple of weeks ago. A colleague of mine asked me this exact question, basically, um, where they were kind of like, "How do you feel as a museum person? How do you feel?" And my mm. answer was, "When it comes, the only kind of issue I ever have is when it comes to existing cultures." Yeah. So, as far as I'm concerned keep whatever you've got unless yeah. there is an indigenous culture that still has those practices so by that i don't mean you know the egyptians can claim the ancient egyptians because they
0: don't bury people in tombs anymore so that and, they're not egyptians they you know what i mean egyptians. they're modern but also, egyptians and they're fucking different they whereas, don't even look if you,
1: similar. <laughs> whereas if you were to deal with say the inuit culture which still exists yeah they still bury their, you know, bury their dead and, and keep their cultures the same way that they currently do. I feel with that, it's a case of you should be making the case to them to keep it. I still think it's important to keep these things because at the end mm. of the day, it's education. Um, and I'm sorry, photographs of it don't do any of this justice as no, actually being around it. So you can't yeah. well, if you you know if you're to pick up. Obviously, you don't get the opportunity in most museums. But if you are to pick up a relic of an ancient culture um, or even like a, you know, a dinosaur fossil, like, you know, you pick up that physical thing or look at that physical thing has a way different way of triggering the the conscious and the subconscious mind Mm. um, and the rest of it a lot more effectively um, than if you were to just have a photograph of it or a scan so you know i'm not i'm not one of these that's for send everything back um i do think you have to have conversations with cultures that are in existence Mm. and argue to keep it in the most respectful way um i'm all for that in terms of from a psychic point of view and from a magical point of view i find a lot of objects don't hold the same many that they do when they're in their actual location yeah so you know i could walk into a you know reconstructed temple ruin i can walk you walk into that and instantly triggered with okay they haven't built this right because that's not how it looked you don't quite get without some effort without putting effort in you don't get that automatic trigger at least i don't i don't know about you mm. when picking up an. no so, I, I agree you have to force the psychometry part and then access whereas if you walk into a temple complex space even with it not standing there you can still feel it there mm. um whereas and i feel that that's a completely different process as to holding on to mm. a relic um do you know what i mean so a, a kind of from a magical perspective
0: the relics respond to the the other things that are there as well. So uh, for me, my, I would equate it to, like, my mobile phone, my iPhone. Is pretty cool. It can do so much interesting stuff. But if I take it out to the countryside where there's no signal and no Wi-Fi, yeah. half of the shit on it doesn't work, you yeah. know? And it's like it still does stuff, but it is like trying to explain to a country pumpkin oh, well, there's this thing called YouTube, or oh, there's this thing called the Internet. It's like, well, can you show me? Well, no, because they're isn't a signal. It's like, well, okay. It, it is a lot like that, where some of these items obviously are... But then at the same time, you could say, well, at the end of the day, even if they are in their place, there aren't that many people that would even be able to fucking use them in the first place. So is it that much of a shame? And okay. to me, I've always landed on power if you have the power to remove something then you're either going to with that power mess up with that power by doing something stupid or you might do something for the betterment you know so if you decide that you're going to go and take an item away and you've lost out on the magical potential or the some sort of potential of it being there some discovery maybe, like the top of the Great Pyramid. If you're going to remove that and wander off with it and then not discover maybe certain things related to its functions and that, then it's like, eh, you got the power to do it, you've done it, now, you know, you may have lost out there. But at the same time, if you're taking something away and you do reverse engineer something, like, for example, some old formulas, you know, then you might be able to reinvent technology, make new discoveries in medicine and things like that nowadays. So I can kind of see that that is something that pays off, but it is ultimately for me, I've always landed on, well, if if they've got the power to do it, they've got the power to do it because in the end of the human experience is much like toddlers. They put things in babies, they put things in their mouth and some things are yummy and food and other things aren't good and you kind of learn that. And that is humans at the end of the day, you know, particularly when dealing with these <laughs> quite powerful technologies and magical instruments and the like. Um, it, it is one of those things. And in terms of giving stuff back, at the end of the day, it's spoil, I think. If it's opened up and you then take it away to then try and put it all back again, I think that there's no real point in doing that. But something that I would consider and I would find interesting is, you know, what your take on, if it's going to be destroyed, then might be the time to go and preserve it. In which case, you might need to put it in a temperature controlled, climate controlled case or something somewhere. That might make sense. But otherwise, it should remain in its place and you have to make the effort to go and see it um with regards to kind of temples and stuff like that i know that you could technically like with the technology that's coming in now um you could potentially do 3d photography and particularly with these um uh, holographic projection rooms and stuff you can kind of recreate things like that that might be a better alternative to just taking bits and pieces and then sending it off around the world i mean obviously we're talking about modern technology um so in terms of desecrating tombs i from a magical perspective take the approach of i'm someone that's coming in here and i'm messing with something and on my head be it so yeah we are the sort to perhaps as we may or may not have done, used corpses or parts of corpses for magical uses and that. And in terms of asking the permission of the person whilst they were alive, well, they died a long, 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 long time ago. So you are essentially deciding, I am going to come into this and use magic to work out whether this is acceptable or not and decide to do it. At the same time, if you've got something that's protected by, let's go for one of these old kind of um, hammer horror special type films where you've got some curse on a a tomb that's protected with gold. As a magical practitioner, if you can break into that tomb and you can negate or switch off the security system, is there a problem with that? Is it just an ethical problem? Do you have a right to it because you've managed to you know beat the house essentially if it's a casino beating the house you deserve it because you've managed to crack it how how does that kind of factor into things
1: um, yeah i'm off i'm off the feeling that yeah i think i kind of just need to add one side there which is obviously we don't tend to uh, in museum culture nowadays you don't we don't tend to yes you still dig up remains etc remains are normally re-put purpose back if they're within a certain age um and we try and preserve things in situ where possible yeah. unless like you say it's something that is going to deteriorate just by us exposing it in which case then you preserve it in a different way Um often most things that are dug up are buried back up because actually the time and energy required to actually remove something like an old church unless it's particularly Mm. special we'd take a few pieces to give an example and then you just put the dirt back map it and put the dirt back um Mm. whereas obviously you know different time victorians were fortune hunters and collectors of all things curious um but on the actual kind of you know breaking the seal on someone's someone's tomb um you know so we're talking kind of slightly more elaborate burials are are the ones we're thinking of more specifically um well ones that are designed to
0: be hidden yeah essentially they're not designed to be cracked
1: so if you're if you're capable of doing so then you know sure but what is your reason for actually going in because you know curiosity to me wouldn't be enough because you could go and explore okay. that without actually walking in. So, you know, I, I don't quite understand why you would need to, unless it's someone that, you know, in a previous life had particularly pissed me off, and I just wanted to get in so I could piss on everything. Um, you know, <laughs> I could kind of... have that ever happened, Craig? I can <laughs> kind of see that... <laughs> I can kind of see the purpose of something like that, of kind of like, you know, he's a dick, so let's ruin his afterlife um i'm all you know I'm, I'm not totally against that idea um but yeah i'm i'm curious as to why someone would need to unless you know there's something going to be buried with them that you need access to like you know why if you're power, you know are you really going to just steal someone else's homework because you can't be asked to work
0: it out yourself Like, do
1: you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I
0: mean, that is magical practitioners, isn't it? That is a case of the ancients have great mysteries. They understood things. Let's see if we can uh, learn those mysteries from them by digging them up and the like. So you've got archaeology and, and, you know, that kind of thing taking that mundane response of, um, or mundane approach of, well, there are no such thing as curses or the afterlife, so it don't matter whether we dig them up You know, it don't matter, we'll learn stuff. Interesting, and we could use that gold as well, quite a lot, you know. Um, But then at the same time, if you're talking about the magical practitioner, there are, I mean, witchcraft magic has a, a very long history of using, let's just go with the corpse thing that we started with, using your enemy's corpses, using the head of your enemy, or maybe even going, like, um, a certain people going and digging up bones from a certain cemetery to put in their artwork and the like, you know, for magical operations and stuff. And then there's the kind of thing where it's, OK, great grandma's head. We'll use that because it's a family magic. It's a family affair. You know, there are different approaches to it but how does one decide which are the right ones and the wrong ones because a lot of people would say oh well if it's your family and they've given permission then carry that on you know collect the heads of all of your ancestors literally others would say well it's part of my magical heritage and the path I'm on to go and stick up my enemy's head on a pike and use it for magical rituals and stuff so I should be allowed to do that You know, so where where is the line drawn? I've always drawn it in terms of power, what you can get away with, whether you can get away from it legally or whether you can get away with it magically and the dead not rising up against you, which sometimes that's what you want because you want them to be rising up so you can see which ones you want to pick up and put in your blender and juice up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You want a nice juicy one that's still got a bit of energy about it
1: speaking of that i'm sure there was a pig it was either a pigment for paint or dye i can't remember but there was a there was like a mummy brown that was used for all sorts of things yes that was used yeah. used to grind up mummies um and turn them into a yeah. kind of pigment paste
0: yeah um yeah it I was dye and then before. they also used it in uh for corpse medicine as well the victorians like to use it for corpse medicine I think it might have been older than Victorian times, but it would have been quite big in Victorian times. It was an official in the was it in the British Pharmacopeia? It was in one of the, like the official ones that Henry VIII um, brought in, which was official medicines that doctors were allowed to prescribe, and they had bits of corpses and stuff in. Um, but I mean, magical stuff, and it, and some of it was is it been shown to work. You know, it's like the old thing about old oh, pig urine and stuff like that, putting that in a remedy. And they're like, oh, no, one would never do that in the 20th century. It's like, oh, no, we we don't do that these days. And then 21st century comes around and they start doing experiments. And it's like, oh, we need to look into this medieval because this might be uh, quite good for COVID. I knew that there was one university that was doing that, and that had something to do with urine, I think, and uh, like a four-feas vinegary kind of recipe. But I think they substituted vinegar for pig urine or something like that. But there was a lot of research that had been done into it. Oh, it was MRSA, that was it. Or I think it's Mercer Uh, if you're American.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I've completely lost my train of thought with that. Pig urine was enough to... uh, break my brain um okay
0: so desecration of tombs if you do the old indiana jones thing and break into the tomb but instead of if you leave all the corpses alone but you just take an object you know maybe some kind of like gold or crystal or i don't know diamond or some something and then you take that away is that better or worse than messing with the corpse because you're just stealing from the belongings of someone. You're not actually kidnapping.
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's more of a misdemeanor than a fe- complete felony, I guess. But, okay. uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. Like, as I'm torn because as a kind of museum person, it's kind of like, you know, the interfering with the historic record. Um, but as they get most of the recording wrong anyway, uh, does mm-hmm. it really matter? So I don't know. It, I'm torn when it comes to that. Um, I still think it's definitely better than taking the body. Um, okay. But I'm I'm only talking mild ethics here. Um, I definitely don't agree with kind of, you know, melting down treasures just so we can have some, the latest dodgy pan coin. Like, do you know what I mean? So right. it would be either depending on what they're using it for. Um,
0: you're not big on recycling <laughs>
1: <laughs> not if it's pretty um, or useful um, but no I'm not I'm not so keen on either of those but yeah I don't necessarily have a massive problem with it um, there's still some really good graves out there that need to be found clearly they had mm. better protections is all I'm gonna yeah. say um, but yeah I, I i had a really good thought earlier and i lost it figuring um yeah i can't think what i was gonna say magically speaking i suppose i don't have a massive issue with it um i don't understand personally unless it was somehow related to me Uh, i mean i don't mean family line i mean one of my it's gonna be a
0: super witch statement here we go kids listen to the super (laughs) witch
1: i have i would have absolutely no interest um in going and breaking into some other witches keep if that makes sense um so unless i've specifically stashed something um but i can't see why i would um the information's in here so i just you know download it and recreate it surely um and bear in mind i don't really use tools um you're not really gonna you're not gonna really stash at all um
0: you know i don't know well you're talking about the thing is you're talking about people with magical practices that they're stumbling around in the dark, trying to make something work in the first place. So they think, oh, cultures in the past, they made this magic work. Let's go and have a rummage and see if we can get some of their magic tools to work. That's basically the thought process behind it. Um, And you can kind of understand that. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing because like you've kind of touched on, they should have used a better protections and then they'd still be hidden, wouldn't they? (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly you know it's it's you know interesting we haven't found cleopatra yet like do you know what i mean like there are a few people out there that are kind of the most talked about yet we we still haven't found their remains so you are kind of like clearly someone was good at hiding shit like um which makes you start to kind of go in the pecking order really how important is tutankhamun like do you know what i mean um in comparison to the fact that we never found her, we haven't found mom we haven't found nefertiti so you know it's a lot of the women that don't seem to be able to be found um and you know i'll leave the rest of that comment i think to the other side of the patreon wall but the um you know it is interesting kind of like the individuals that are missing um and i know lots of you know mundane's would make that a patriarchy statement um i'm not of the same feeling um but then you'd struggle to find mine remains so you know i'm normally pretty good at making sure they're gone um it's an important part of my process shall we say
0: i can understand that um Right, I think we're out of time for the regular edition of the podcast. Obviously, if you want to listen to the extended edition of this podcast, when Chris reveals more top-secret information that we can't talk to you now about, you're going to have to join the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon. So go and do that, people. Right, okay, so we are now on the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon. So where are we going with this? Because this original idea was... um, uh, like indiana jeng style or tomb raider wasn't it going and robbing a tombs yeah and i remember that indiana jengs was the sort that he'd go and put the magic crystal back because it belonged in the place And there was always some baddies normally like nazis or russians or something say, like that
1: normally the nazis
0: to steal supernatural objects so yeah. well i kind of think we
1: need to talk a bit more about that kind of supernatural objects like because i know we've had that discussion before on other things about you know cursed object or um amulet versus what was the other one we did amulet versus magical object something like that i'm sure we've talked about it a few times but can you actually think of something you would actually want to get your hands on like the obvious ones are things like the spear of destiny Um, the Ark of the Covenant, you know, those kind of biblical relics. Are are there any ones you'd particularly want? Yeah,
0: my right toe,
1: (laughs) your right toe.
0: So, when I look at things that I really would like, like being honest, because this is this is I don't normally share personal things, but um if it's something that i would really want and that i actually genuinely want it's because i've got baggage there so it will be like previous life type baggage so if i really 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 tried to want something or had something back then and it meant something and there was unfinished business like the old ghost idea i still want it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I know I don't need it and I know I don't want it but it is literally like Jamie showering in year six in primary school stole my Sainsbury's writing pen and the teacher told me that she would get it back because she knew it was mine and she would use all of her power to get it back from him and he took it home and he never brought it back in and she couldn't do fuck all about it but I still remember that and that's mine. And I still okay. think like I don't need that pen. If if nothing happened throughout that day and I lost that pen a day later or something, it would mean fuck all to me, is the fact that there's unfinished business there. But I'm also like that with previous lives. So I had a life where um this was an Egyptian one actually. I had a life where my right when when my big toe of my right foot was cut off and I had a prosthetic towel and I still, it still like fucking bothers me, it still yeah. carries on. Um, partly because that isn't that long ago, so you're talking kind of is quite local yeah. so unfortunately those sorts of lives I often do wake up thinking oh, f- oh right okay yeah <laughs> different life right um so because they're two local and obviously networking lives together means that sometimes I forget who I am yeah. psychotherapist or have a field <laughs> <laughs> but it can be on the odd moment I think damn oh look I've got yeah. my toe back but yeah I can still feel it like my toe like if I wiggle it now I still sometimes think I've got a prosthetic on and I haven't and it's just because that really fucking that was like a big thing for that life That was a lot. It caused me a lot of problems um, in many different ways. Um, But like that's that really stayed with me. And the the thing is, it wouldn't normally bother the average person. But because I've often poured in lives, and that being a local one, is kind of like when you open your back door, and you always get certain leaves blowing because there's a tree right next to it because it's close by. That sheds its leaves, so you're always gonna get that. And because it's literally a local life, is one of the first ones that just kind of flood back and it's pointless shit. But yeah, that I can't remember what the question was. But yeah, basically, things that I would want my toe. I want my toe. Because I grew up Are we talking about the prosthetic? We actually it was, about no, I don't want the set. prosthetic, I want the real one. I don't have closure with knowing what happened with the real one and all that sort of thing, you know. It's like, and that prosthetic one, it it wasn't great. I mean, it was expensive, but it wasn't great, you know. It's like I'd rather mm-hmm. have had my 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 actual towel, and I was always very self-conscious about it as well. Um okay. And, yeah, it, it, it's baggage. It's baggage from that life. And I always kind of felt like, I want that, I want, I just want my toe please, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just carried, that's just carried forward. But like, there'll be other objects and things like that that you kind of miss. There's people as well, let's be fair, there's people that you miss, but like, people are gone, you know, it's kind of like where you've got, you know, where you've got someone with a, I don't know, dead spouse, with their dead children, because they all, you know, went off of the road and drowned in the sea or something like that off the edge of a cliff and you're the one person that survived and you flip back through the family photo album and you see your two dead kids and you see your dead husband or your dead wife and you're like, oh, I miss them. I want them surely back. You go, surely you go to Psychic Sally for that. Well, you want them back, but then at the same time you can't bear to Sally get them the photo album. So it's like, I know that I'm not going to get them back, but... Like I still want the the objects from my old because I've got a little treasure box, you know, that I keep things that are relevant to my life currently. And there's other little treasures that are still about out there that are relevant to my last lives. And I kind of feel like you know, so like they should really they should they should be with me, you know. And I'm not gonna use them, but they feel like my property, you know, they feel like mine. And I do have to have a word with myself and think, well, A, they don't really matter. But also, you know, what would you do with that? Like, I don't know. I get like I've got the little treasure box, which I keep things in. Some people give me things like I've got stuff from dead family members and stuff like that. that left me before they died and that kind of thing. Stuff from people's wills. Um, there's kind of it's got sentimental value. Um, but i don't really use it it's not needed and it's not necessary and i'm not really the sort to get out and cry over them but they are there because they're mine i don't know i think i've rambled a bit do
1: you know what i kind of expected there to be a comment about pens because you are obsessed (laughs) but at the same time i did not expect a five minute rant about a toe um if that's attachment disorder, that is. Um, I'm just gonna call that there. Um or well, detachment disorder, I guess. Well you <laughs> can they... blame
0: that film. You can blame that film, the mummy, for that.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. See, I stashed all the good the good things in in other worlds. So, you know, not so much
0: worried about this one. Um, no but it's not important stuff it's not stuff I want or need but it's stuff that I feel is mine and I yeah. think because it's mine I should still I should still have it sometimes possessive that is possessive it is a bit possessive yeah it is a bit possessive see I know. feel about that about miss they miss the old it. slaves I used to have like why great. do they
1: keep why do they keep calling it the great pyramid of Khufu like I don't remember ever being called Khufu sorry that was just a joke i'm joking um my pyramids are way better than those they go downwards um
0: don't don't talk about those they haven't discovered those yet at least as far as i'm aware they're going
1: to find mine they're not going to find mine the the reverse pyramid the reverse pyramids um yeah okay so let's go to the next level because that was not where I was expecting this conversation to go. Um, Have you ever
0: been caught unawares? Have you ever wandered into a museum or looked in a book and you've looked at something and you've thought, you know, kind of like when you've been robbed and then you go to a local, like, on eBay and it's like, wait a minute, there's my fucking Nike. <laughs> They've still got <laughs> the little scuff marks from the place. Have you ever had that? Have you ever literally looked at something and you're like, wait a minute, that was mine? Or... Oh, I know who that actually belonged to. You know? It's like the lat- they the wouldn't want you out that there. Do you ever have a mat?
1: The latter, yes. But right. not not the format. Because like I said, okay. I'm very good at making sure my things were destroyed. Um that's paranoia. You were possessive, I'm paranoid. They, okay. go. Um yeah, I've had I've had when you kind of go, Oh, okay, I remember that um i wonder how they got hold of that um it doesn't happen very often obviously but then it mm. happens to me more than it would to others because i spend a lot of time behind the scenes in museums
0: yeah not walking so you around galleries. with random stuff that they don't really know what it is yeah <laughs> yeah
1: so, but that's, oh, that's there is just... a
0: bone. Why is it in with a bunch of dinosaur bones? Oh, it's because they think it's part of that.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> there can possibly be any
0: humans about, about <laughs>
1: <laughs> So, but yeah, the no, the the latter happens a lot. I, I've I've not so far come across anything that was mine.
0: Um, do you come across stuff? Because I think this is going to be turning a bit elitist now. <laughs> so I'll we'll just ask you this final question and we'll go back to talking about it from a mundane perspective and robbing grapes. Do you sometimes see things and then you think, oh, fuck, I thought that had died off a long time ago? Like a certain group of fucking idiots that you think, eh, don't worry, they'll die off eventually. And then some fucker comes and writes about them or revives them or some object or something like that. And it's like, oh, I thought that they were going to be wiped from history and they're still fucking here.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're called the Ptolemies.
0: <laughs> <coughs> Not just me then. <laughs> um, yeah, Cleopatra
1: coming out, yeah um yes a few not not in books that most people would read though nobody interesting that anybody would know um a couple of writers every now and again you're kind of like oh that really um also get really bored with the rosetta stone um Mm. that really bores me Which is probably going to confuse a shitload of people. But yes. You know when someone who's not particularly good at something seems to be remembered for being really good at something? You know, like, I don't know. Like someone you know is really bad at math, but they got that answer right at the wrong time. You know? to that test and everybody happened to be there and then they're kind of like he's really good at maths no he's shit at maths he got lucky once like that kind
0: of feel oh uh, right okay so are you are you talking more about they just they just got it through luck never really having understood it or are you talking about oh i'll take that and i'll rewrite it dumb it down and then that'll be the famous thing that we all call the twilight books type thing yeah. that was stolen, like a work that's like watered because they do that with um oh what is it? Oh I forgot what the off of Agrippa the is. There's like really the Magus, that's it, the book The Magus, oh, which is yeah, just like a watered down Agrippa and you kind of think, oh this person really knows what they're talking about and they've just nicked it all. But they've got a yeah. bigger reputation. You yeah. know?
1: That's how I feel about Shakespeare.
0: I thought that you might say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, you just kinda of like wow, really? Anyway, not that I was around for that, but you still kinda of go, really? Anyway, but okay, back to the mundane stuff and then I'm gonna go back to the ridiculousness again in a bit. Oh okay. So what would what would a mundane want with any of this shit? Probably not. Um, but more importantly, what would some of our NTS be interested in? In terms of what's
0: possible if you were to
1: get your hands on something that's still got some juice.
0: Well, I do find that a lot of mundanes often want what other mundanes want. And I think if you study childhood psychology, there's the children that always want to play with the thing that the other children are playing with as soon as they get it, they don't want it anymore. And I do sometimes see this a little bit within a neo-paganism and magic in general. Um, In today's society, people want stuff because it's cool. People want the gold, not because they actually want it or need it, or they want the latest kind of fashions and stuff. But is that equated to magical practice? Because I think the stumbling around in the dark and trying to hoard magical objects to try and reverse engineer them is the kind of go-to for most, perhaps some of the sort of mentees that we might come across. They're on a magical path. They're looking to improve, yeah? Then there's the ones that are, well, our tribes had this for a long, long time. And if we don't have it, then the sky will fall because they've lost the knowledge to be able to actually recreate what it is that they're using so it's magical knowledge that's been created kind of like a nikola tesla type thing it's like someone does something or al einstein someone does something really amazing um or you see this a lot with companies as well someone's great 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 grandfather builds something and then all of the other relatives for the next couple of generations don't really do a lot to add to it they just leech off of it until the money's run out and the family dynasty ends i see that but hopefully, I don't think that any of our mentees really fall into that category. I think if we do have any ones that want to do tomb raiding, is because they want, they like the idea of solving puzzles and besting mm-hmm. a culture. Or maybe they want to reverse engineer some magical stuff. Because um, I know it's very big for, in paganism, for the whole recreationalist stuff isn't it they're all obsessed about the oldest culture and all that sort of shit which is very strange because i don't know for me i
1: want something that works so you know why am i going to cut? you know unless it's for a specific specific purpose and by that i mean i want to do it a certain way because it feels Mm. more authentic in the moment for a particular kind of magic but normally that's something reminiscent for me so it's kind of well i want to do it this way because i've always done it this way not because that culture has always done it that way it's because i remember always doing it this way so i'm going to do it that way mm. um but there are very few things that i feel that way about as far as i'm co- concerned i'm not going to go out into the woods and make a fire in order to heat some water when i've got a fucking kettle Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, personally, I don't understand. For me, it's efficiency. What is the most efficient way for you to get something done? Um, And that's how I approach magic. But I guess lots of people like the the routine and the pageantry, I guess, of,
0: um, which, you know, is completely... They would like the idea of doing something that thousands of people before them have done. And keeping things only alive.
1: Because they, only because they didn't have a fucking kettle. Like, do you know what I mean? Like mm. that's not they didn't do it because that was the perfect way to fucking do it. Like, you know, the reason most things and the stuff we've got is made of gold is because it didn't fucking corrode. Like, you mm. know, like you'd have had more of the other things, but they go messy or they've been popular at other points because they're useful. Um it's why you have to be careful about the amount of copper you find these days because people have melted it down and used it for something else. Um you know like that's why there's not enough of it. Anyway. Um but yeah, I'm just kind of like if they had an electric you know, electric kettle and a toaster, they would just use the fucking toaster. They wouldn't go and, you know, oh, fire, let's put it on a stick. Like, do you know what I mean? I just that part of magic Practice just kind of fucks me off a little bit. Um, I get when there's a specific reason for it. So if you're addressing a particular spirit that is very keen on the traditional part of it, um, has a particular custom, because there are a few sticklers, um, you know, like people that were ever going to worship you, I'm sure they'll bring you lots of pens, um, because that's what you need and that's what you want um but they're not necessarily <laughs> they're not going to
0: work they're
1: not going to do that because it's the most efficient way they're going to do that to get noticed by you so to kind of break that kind of like here you go you know you're going to get him in a good mood because you've just given him a pen like how many times have i bribed and you
0: Oh, i don't just want what the mean? same old bick and parker pens that they get in the stationers i want like one that's like from a museum far far away which obviously got printed in the same place but it's got a different logo on it you know yeah. oh i love collecting pens <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> unless they have the like sacrilege to me uh, this really is genuine and this is only this lifetime maybe you can you can do amateur psychology and tell me why this is Chris you have the idea of um, amateur within within folk magic and that you know you break something to get in into the other world so you might bend a coin or you break something as an offering like if a neo-pagan took that idea and they took a pen and they you know the little um oh where is that I don't know where I've put on. The little bit there, yeah, that hooks on. If they broke that, they would fucking be cursed. I tell you, I would be like, like some neo pagan come along <laughs> and think, oh well this, this, this great uh, <laughs> member of the mighty dead." <laughs> yeah. I want to petition Liam for. Some work, what is Liam renowned for? I don't know, love magic, right? So, I want to petition <laughs> to, bring, to make my man call and to come round and come to me. Twin flame, twin flame. Yeah, that Liam <laughs> um, that Tatiana so, book. So, I'm gonna take this pen and I'm gonna put it on his uh, as an offering on his altar down at the future generation of thoth shops, they're basically like shrines capitalistic right. shrines all over the world. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm gonna do the old traditional thing of breaking the pen by snapping off the little um, the little hook thing. I would fucking curse the shit out of them for doing that. I really would, because I fucking hate it. And it comes to the point which if someone breaks it, I can't use that pen anymore. Like, so I've had friends that have borrowed pens and stuff like that, and they, they, they click them and they bend them and that and as soon as it's broken i'm like no i can't have that back now i can't have it it really fucks me off this one i've got here
1: um i never let you have even though i do normally give you the call cool pens um i haven't seen one since it's a medical rep one and it has a uh a highlighter in the end uh, okay I think, I think that's amazing um i don't quite understand why a medical rep would need to do that but you know at the end of the day it's not the most exciting of pens but it's black which always gets liam oh, going. It writes in black
0: and oh, i love a pen that writes in black i'm the, so i'm so disappointed when you a get pen. a free one when you get a free one through the post that's quite cool and then it writes in blue i'm like oh for fuck's sake uh, but yeah
1: so like from that point of view i can kind of understand you know when you've got a particular a particular aspect of a particular deity or its particular spirit like the you know you know that that's a sweet spot for them um let's face it it's how i get most things um because i remember blackmail's black the other option yes the um <laughs> but you know that there are you know sweet talk blackmail you, you've always got to go for one or the other um but yeah i can kind of understand that that part of the recreationalist part but i can't understand designing an entire magical system around recreating somebody else's magical practice from
0: thousands of years before um it's because they can't get anything to work it's literally that is what it is they can't get magic to work so they think Who's the most magical people? Ah, all of these Norse people. A, everyone keeps going on about them, so they must know a thing. And then looking at it, it's like, oh, this Norse magic. Oh, I quite like the idea of this. I'm going to start doing that and recreating it. Or the whole druid thing. <gasps> Druids? Oh, well, they died in mysteriously, you know. There's an almighty powerful organisation there, you know. I mean, they're not around and they got killed off pretty easily. So they must be the ones with all of the secrets, I, I you know. We'll go with that. Just, I'll get my white robe, <laughs> and now I'll be a My it. iPod, <laughs> and my, my iPad, iPad, and my white robe. I'll, 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 I'll read a couple of stories.
1: That sounds like another organisation that we should be mixing up with. Different kind uh, of practice there, but same torches.
0: They had the hoods. Um, they had the hoods with yeah. the little holes. <laughs> yeah. Those ones,
1: um, you know, druid kkk, you know, same, same thing, maybe. Um, either way, it's preservation, if
0: they could,
1: and either way, it's preserving something that doesn't need to be preserved. Um, Mm. so yeah, so either or, but yeah, so that's the bit that gets me. And then I did have another super witch question I was going to ask you, and now I can't think what it was. I need to start writing shit down. I need to be more professional about this. But, you know, Mm.
0: why change the habit of lifetime? I don't quite get... And I kind of get this, but I don't know why... I I, I understand why if they haven't got any magical um, knowledge or magical ability, then I suppose they are going to try and recreate things from the past. But what I don't get is... Why don't the people that have got a little bit of magic and have got a bit of an understanding? Why don't they still suffer from the future? Yeah. Why doesn't that That's happen? Forward. That's forward. Yeah, it's like, okay, right, what's gonna be the next big thing in a hundred years time? Oh, this Wicca thing? This Gerald Gardner's gonna come along and I know I'll start doing that now and then i'll be ahead of the game i don't know why people don't take that approach you know it just is always always going to the past it's like well there's plenty of stuff in the future also that you could possibly learn from yeah yeah i get it i
1: get it okay last go on i'll allow you to ask me because you've actually done a lot of sharing this time go on ask me a ridiculous question you've got a few minutes left
0: you're putting a lot of pressure on me now i'm not sure what ridiculous question you want me to ask or what ridiculous I question i'm allowed to ask really obviously it's got to be within the realms of what we're talking about
1: obviously okay so desecrating
0: tombs
1: yeah no i'm not telling you where mine was <sighs> oh um
0: <laughs> it's a, a secret for a reason So now I've got to kind of think, what would the patrons most want to know, apart from where your tomb is? I think they might have wanted to know a little bit about reverse pyramids, but I'm presuming you wouldn't want to share that.
1: No.
0: Um, So I'm probably going to say various different cultures that you may or may not have been a part of in the past. Where's the most sensitive area? So if you was to kind of do your Sudoku and break in to the magical realms of this, obviously with the Sudoku you've got like, you always know you put it, there's the first one that starts you off and then there's kind of a chain of things. Where's the first port of call? For someone that doesn't, isn't part of the culture, for someone there's an outsider that wants to try and penetrate the secrets, magical secrets of an ancient culture, where's the sweet spot? Oh, Where would so they where start
1: would you, with? Where would you get someone to start, magically speaking? Yeah. Um, I suppose you've got to stay with, which sounds like such a shitty answer. Um, you're going to kind of probably going to have to go kind of uh, Roman Greek. The only reason I say that is because you've got more chance of understanding it um, because it's closer to what you're used to. I think lots of people go for Egyptology and kind of hope that they're going to get some master, master problems there, uh, which they will. The problem is you've got too many layers to break through before you're even going to touch on the on what's capable Um and you're not gonna be able to fucking read it anyway so you know unless you initiate of some description which i know we touched on recently somewhere else i think um it might have been last week's podcast i can't remember well you but did the... bring up
0: rosetta stone <laughs> so you're no, saying but... go for the inferior and then work path work backwards like in school they yeah. teach you a little bit about atoms and then throw it all out when you progress further and further is that what you're saying yeah
1: that's what i'm kind of saying so start with start with something that you recognize so in the same way that yeah they think that, so we should devolve instead okay. of evil yeah and then just get that kind of foundation in somebody else's magical practice that is ancient and then move across so you know and test yourself in new ways the most interesting ones personally is when you kind of get into that you know that was a very interesting area over the Mesopotamian kind of like Babylon Mm. and shit. Um, I particularly like the Phoenicians, but that's just a bit of a, a, you know, soft spot for myself. Um, but you know, that kind of area, the ones that you got about a lot, learned a lot. I personally feel like if it's a culture that didn't really travel, don't bother. Mm. It's my opinion.
0: Um, so the oppos the approach that the neo pagans tend to take is, "I'll go for the big boss, so I'll try and contact whatever the deity is, so you're actually saying that's the opposite. What you should be doing is you should be contacting the gypsies first and yeah. all of the grave robbers and all of the people that have kind of taken the the the, pirates. Um, the fall of the civilization and done something with it and then go backwards from there. So don't go and try and uh, conjure an upset met for a healing ritual, then no. Exactly that
1: shit. No, um, okay. but yeah, it's it's that kind. It's that it's the sort of stuff. It's it's go go with the lowest and up possible denominator, and then move up, and ideally ones that travel. So, like I say, pirates are a good one. Um, mm. That get around. They don't necessarily
0: understand it but they have the most interesting stuff. And the things that they tend to... um, Because they're always trying to get around things, and although they may may not have a great knowledge of what those things are, what they do tend to notice is that there's stuff that surrounds it and and problems that they might encounter. They tend to include in their kind of um, lore and culture of piracy as well which is quite interesting so you kind of talk a little bit about oh well west country witches and the irish and all of that they must know a lot about the thing well no they're kind of like the equivalent of pirates really they don't really fucking know anything but they've been around it so the very fact that they're trying to design things to combat common problems that would be one of the places where you could start If you were going to try and understand that, it's like, no, it's not about the frictions there. So if there's friction there, people are absorbing that into the culture and trying to fix that situation. That's kind of like a warning, really, that that's something that you should focus on. But obviously don't take it as this is the approach you need to take and this is right because very often it's not but there we go i think we're out of time anyway so that is it for this week's edition of the podcast uh, goodbye everyone